and welcome to Station Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined as always by my friend and yours, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's Cyprus this morning? Uh, it's it's very good. It's afternoon for me. Um, it's been a bit rainy today, which I could do without. Um, but we're, we're coming towards uh, a Coptic storm. Do you know what one of those is? It sounds serious. <laughs> yeah, they're... Um, uh, sort of Arabian fishermen thousands of years ago uh, started charting these storms. And they come at the same time every year to within literally a couple of days. Uh, and they all have, you know, very sort of um, melodramatic Arabic names, you know, wind that bears sand and red sand and yellow sand. Uh, so you get all sorts of sandstorms, uh, nasty weather coming from all sorts of directions. Uh, and one comes pretty much on my wife's birthday every year, um, which is nice. Uh, I, I, I do call her the goddess of thunder for several reasons. And <laughs> this year is, is no exception. It's her birthday in a couple of days. And I got drenched on a golf course this morning. That was, that was her present to me. Um, I'll have to go buy her something, I suppose. So I'm, I'm guessing that uh, rain means it's quite temperate uh yeah it's um i think today we peaked at about 12 degrees i mean yesterday i was i was out it was 18 degrees it was beautiful it was lovely gorgeous but we'll have this now for a couple of days and then it will uh it'll hopefully that tends to be the sort of the harbinger of of spring which pretty quickly becomes summer here so i, I saw swallows yesterday that's always a sign wow I was out this morning and, well, my tree out back looks like something from an Alfred Hitchcock movie. The number of birds sitting there looking down on me, making horrible squawking noises because I was invading my lawn, uh, which is, they've apparently claimed as their own. But yes, it was a, a little chilly this morning. I was out taking the dog for an extended pee break because that's what she wanted to do. And she's a princess. It was a minus seven. Burr. I'll swap you for plus 12 any day. Minus seven. That's still cold. I mean, it's, it's the middle of March. I mean, it needs to pull itself together now, really. That's proper cold. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, get into some follow-up. We've got some great ideas from packing lists. Hmm. Yeah, tell me. what. Who, who said what? All right. Leaf uh, told me to try any list, which is an app. And I, I downloaded it and I'm playing with the trial on it, but it has a really neat family function on it, the family sharing option, which I'm just looking at and thinking it would be perfect to get Mrs. T on board, uh, mostly because she likes to be the keeper of the grocery list. And I don't know if your wife is the same way, but any of the stuff I really, really like, which is really bad for me does not make it onto Mrs. T's grocery list. Mm. So I'm kind of hoping if I have access to that, I can add to it. Uh, but uh, it's certainly a neat option. It's got some neat little functions like a clear all. So if you check things off, you can just hit clear all and every, your list is back to the way it was originally. Oh, cool. Uh, you can have multiple versions. It's, it's kind of a neat little, neat little thing. The only complaint is it's again, a subscription and Jeez, I've, as we're going to talk about later in the utilities that we're using, I have a lot of subscriptions too. Mm, yeah, they're easily, easily mount up. 
I also have a great resource. Alan shared his uh, Evernote list. He uses Evernote to track uh, his packing list, but he shared a copy of that with us. And that was really, really helpful for me to come up with a list of stuff that I didn't really think of. And especially for a longer trip than just an overnight, um, I'm using that as a basis to create my own list. Um, and of course, having an extra check mark for one extra pair of underwear because, you know, that's the thing we have to do. The, I mean, that is the stationary adjacent way. Mm-hmm. I heard Mrs. L does things a little differently. <laughs> yes, Mrs. L, as ever, she she's no idea what what productivity is as an area, but she just sort of does it. So uh, she she has a Word document. Oh, um, and I, I went upstairs the other day, and I sort of over her shoulder. I was like, are you are you are you doing a packing list? Uh, no, uh, dear listener, you should note that we're not going anywhere for over a month. Um, and she said, she said, yes, yes, it's exciting. And I said, what, going away or the packing list? And she had to think before she answered. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. I, I, I suspect if I really leaned into it, I could turn Mrs. Lennon into a sort of productivity guru. I, th- I think the desire is there. She's never sort of dipped her toe into the world of apps and spending six hours making yourself more productive for the remaining two hours of the day, that sort of thing. I don't think she's ever done any of that. She's one of those people that's just smart and does it without actually having to think about it. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Annoying, aren't they? They certainly are. How can we never get that? Yeah, exactly. I remember, uh, it's a slight tangent, but uh, my business partner, um, James, hello, hello, James, uh, very posh Englishman. Um, he was essentially doing GTD without ever having heard of it. <laughs> it used to drive me. The, I, I went into his office and he had sort of simple plastic wallets, uh, A4 size. Um, and he would write with a, a sort of Sharpie. He would write on the top the name of the project. In it would go. And then he'd have a pile of those in a tray. And I'd go, well, you've got, you've got tickler files. What? Th- those, th- those are tickler files. Oh, shut up, Stuart. Come with some work. <laughs> At the end of every day, he would go through his files, tidy everything up, boom, 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 gone. And I'd be like, he's doing that. He's no idea that there are people, you know, running websites, writing books about how to do this. He just does it. Irritating. Very. So, what did you spend this week, Stu? (laughs) Are you referring to an event by a company called Appel? Appel, yes. Uh, I I had a peek. Mm. Uh, yes. Wow, what an event that was, hey? Uh, it was good. Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting much out of it, and wow, did it take a 180 and uh, completely blow me away. For sure. I mean, I think it was, uh, it, it's, it's nice when you see, um, you know, just sort of usual incremental improvements, but it's even nicer when you see something exciting, you know, it's, Brand new product line. If you're not f- a follower of Apple, uh, I do apologize. But um, yes, the studio. Mm-hmm. That's that's what everybody's thinking about. Studio and the studio display. Mm-hmm. So I, I assume you've got you've got all of them on the way, and they'll be with you in a few weeks. All right. So I I did actually have a spec'd out studio. Uh, obviously not the studio display because well. 
uh, it's a bit of a letdown, really. It's it's a it's an iMac monitor in a box on its own now for, well, the same price as the iMac that it replaced without any of the iMac-y parts. I had the little box, or the big box, I guess it is, in a Apple cart. I had it spec'd up. I was looking at the mm-hmm. delivery date between April 6th and 13th. And then Mrs. T came down and presented me with a problem. Not so much she was complaining about the money I was about to spend, even though it was a considerable amount. Uh, Canadian dollars, I think I was looking about $7,300 just for the computer. Because, well, we know that Justin likes to buy expensive stuff. What's that in US? Oh, that's probably... Give or take. Five and a half thousand. Okay. So, you know, I'd, I'd gone up to... I wanted the... 128 gig of RAM. I wanted four terabytes of okay. um, uh, internal SSD storage. You know, all the stuff that you you want to buy for an investment that you're going to have for a number of years. And I looked at it and I went, well, Mrs. T came down and she said, can I have your old laptop? Very, very simple question. And the answer would, of course, be Yes. Absolutely, I'll buy a new one immediately. However, this presented a problem because what computer would this then be replacing? And the problem is it's now tethered to a a, a computer monitor. And as we have joked about before when I'm talking about our travel, my computer monitor weighs somewhere in the region of 40 odd pounds and is, well, it's huge. So yes, I, I can't pack it up and take it with me. So obviously I would give the M1 MacBook Pro spec'd out to Mrs. T and replace this MacBook with that. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, that would then put me on my Intel Mac, which I use as my recording device. That's actually what I'm recording on now is my Intel 16 inch MacBook Pro. Again, spec'd out 32 uh, gigs of RAM, you know, the whole, the whole bit. But that is a production machine, which is always kept a release of uh, Mac OS behind for stability. If you're, if you're ever doing anything in any of the artistic endeavors, you don't want to be on the bleeding edge. They call it that for a reason. So all of a sudden I realized that I would have this computer set up for work and I would have no way to take it with me. And so I canceled out of it and I didn't buy anything at all because I do need a laptop and this, I don't think could do it. Uh, especially for that kind of price. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking, I'm not sure what been tied to a desk would do for me, you know, especially now that we're starting to travel a little bit more that I have to go into an office. Sure. I don't know, Stu, what do you think? What are, what are your, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Uh, I, I think it's very, very similar. Um, I mean, look, we, we both look at the new machine and go, oh, it's a new machine. It's great. It's good. Oh, and it could do this and it can do that. And it can frankly do far more than we would ever need it to do. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's attractive. I mean, I think the, the monitor, um, is, I, I suspect going to sell like the proverbial hotcakes because 
if you are, uh, and most of the world is, um, a laptop user, mm-hmm. this is your, your home docking station. So, you know, you, you one cable to that monitor, um, and it is, in effect, it becomes your home pods because it's, uh, the digital assistant is built in, so you can bark at your monitor to play your music. Um, or to run your automations or do whatever it is you want to do. It's, it, you know, it's a, as you say, it's a, it's a five, oh, so a five K screen, a nice speakers in it. Apparently, um, I don't know all these things to be tested. Um, and so if you've got one of these really nice laptops that, you know, as you say, you, you take to work and you use in the coffee shop and you use at home, perfect. You plug it into this thing. Uh, you get some nice peripherals and you've got a really nice desktop setup and then you unplug it and off you go and play road warrior. It's the perfect sort of, uh, peripheral for the one computer setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, I think it will really sell. Um, I don't have a one computer setup. I don't know if I want a one computer setup. I'm not sure. So I'm standing at, at my shelves, <laughs> which is where I have a Mac mini connected to uh, an LG monitor. Uh, and that's, this is where I record and this is where I do jobby job stuff, corporate type stuff. My desk now, I wouldn't say tech is banned, but it's, it's not visible. So I have a laptop, but it's in a drawer. Um, and I get it out. If I'm doing either studying or writing, then I write at my desk on my laptop. But most of the time, I'm, I'm determined to keep it in a drawer and out of the way uh, because I'm trying to break a default, which is if, if somebody says to me, are you working? Then the immediate thing that's in my mind is me sitting at a desk with a computer in front of me. My, my world. Yeah. Well, what I find is that that sort of I'm in that working mode, but I might not be working. In fact, often I'm not. I'll be, you know, looking at specking up a studio for um <laughs> my my new Mac or, you know, checking out this or checking out that. And I I don't want to be in that default anymore because I'm not sure that staring at a computer screen all the time necessarily is very good for me. Or B actually is very constructive work-wise. I think I waste a lot of time by being in the mode of working without actually working. Mm. So um, there's a part of me that says, yeah, I can, I can go out and get myself uh, similar to the one you got, you know, the F- MacBook Pro 14-inch, decent spec on it, by which I mean sort of, you know, future-proofed a bit, um, and use that as my, my one true computer and then have it connected to a nice monitor while I'm here and then when I'm traveling, I have, you know, a gorgeous screen and, you know, a very clever machine. Fantastic. Off I go. There's another part of me that says actually having a separation of devices is quite nice. Just to be able to say, okay, this machine here I'm, I'm working on. This machine I'm, I'm doing my other stuff on, my writing or, or my study. And of course, that enables the tech idiot in me to say, oh, look, I could buy a new one of these and then a new one of those and then a new one of those. Oh, it's very exciting. So tempted though I am, uh, I'm not buying anything at the moment. I mean, let's, let's not forget that I'm in Cyprus. And even if I wanted to buy anything, I couldn't. 
So um, I have to go and make a deal with the reseller and, you know, he will order essentially from Greece. And so I will then have to have all sorts of punch-ups about what type of keyboard and what language and, you know, all sorts of nonsense. And it will take months and months and months. But uh, could I replace this monitor? Yes, I would like to replace this monitor. That would be nice. But um, what would I be gaining? I'd be gaining a really good camera. It's got a really good camera on the studio monitor. Uh, the speakers and the uh, the home uh, home assistant enable, <laughs> if you like. Uh, that's all very good. But I do actually have two home pods. So what am I going to do with those? <laughs> I'm just laughing and looking at my beautiful screen that, you know, is four times the price of this new one and thinking, oh, speakers? Nope. Yeah. Video camera? Nope. Nope. HomePod? Well, you know, let's be honest. Uh, having no Siri in the box is not really a great loss for me because it, it never does anything that it's supposed to. <laughs> for sure. But I, I, I tell you what, I'm not sure, you know, even for the savings, I could lose that extra 1K of resolution. Sure. You know, I was, I was looking at some of the production stills of, uh, the new Apple studio monitor. Not that I need one, but you know, I like to throw money at things and what the heck. Mm -hmm. Um, and it looks small and you don't realize until you see somebody sitting in front of it that, you know, sort of those extra five inches, uh, just make it look small compared to what I've got used to. So I think I'll stay with my stupidly expensive monitor and, uh, you know, luckily it's safe. It hasn't been replaced by anything newer, better and half the price, but, uh, yeah, I, I kind of love my monitor. Yeah, I think that's the thing. You can't go back, can you? The, with all of these things, you, you can't go back at a technology. And so, um, you know, for me, what what that that nice Apple one is, is essentially a prettier version of the one that I've got here. So I've got an LG, I've stuck a, a Logitech camera on the top, and I've got a couple of HomePods. So I could tidy all that up um by throwing two thousand dollars at a monitor um and then go right now what am i going to do with these home pods and what should i do with that webcam oh and what should i do with this monitor well the home pods are easy you just put them on a on a desk somewhere and when they're bored they will just start playing out of the blue <laughs> scare the crap out of you and announce that Stu, you've been neglecting us for too long Exactly. That's that's why I'm very, very reluctant to put them up in the main house, just in case they do that to my wife. <laughs> um, yeah, you'll be you'll be sitting there watching these big white uh, projectiles come flying out of the the uh, kitchen. I can just imagine it now. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, loath to do that. Um, and in terms of you know traveling and all of that, you know, when I travel, I don't do that much meaningful work. Or actually, I would argue. I do lots of meaningful work, but none of it requires a computer. So the things that are really important are talking to clients and, you know, establishing with them what they need, working out what the problems are, looking at, you know, real life issues. Uh, and the computer is, again, is a kind of a cover for, for that. You sort of sit behind it. But um, it's, for me on the road, it's probably no more effective than than a notebook. And for sure, you know, I have... Uh, email and you know all that stuff that I want to keep up with but you can do that on a telephone so uh, I'm 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 definitely in a place where I'm thinking actually 
I'm not sure that I need uh, to to upgrade anything at the moment because what I ask of my my tech is not very much. I have to say. Uh, that said, I'm almost certain that I will get a studio monitor at some point. Um, and uh, yeah, whether I then get a souped up Mac Mini, you know, the next version of Mac Mini, or whether I go, do you know what? I just need one computer and I will, you know, sort of be docked when I'm here and then I'll just unplug it and put it under my arm when I'm going somewhere. Uh, I don't know, but that's probably, well, almost definitely a end of this year, early next year decision. Not before, I would have thought. Yeah, we'll see what I end up with. I, I'm saying no for now, but as we know, I have very, very little self-control when it comes to uh, fruity-based purchases. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I'm going to give that a... Uh, yeah. We, we won't tell you how many times I've kind of looked at uh, the new MacBooks and with better specs and I've looked at, you know, new iPads that I don't need, uh, mm -hmm. but want. And, you know, luckily living where I do near no Apple store, that pause between ordering and the feeling of getting it is, is like six weeks away. And that has been enough of a barrier for me to go, oh, you know what? Let me think about it. Count yourself lucky. It saved me a ton of money because if, if I could have gone down to my local Apple store, which, you know, the last place I was at was 10 minute drive. Uh, well, I would have been down there at day one, knocking on their door, just taking a look. And you know what happens when you take a look at something in an Apple oh, store? Oh, for sure. It follows you home. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a puppy. <laughs> Pretty much. Let's, let's get into the regular stuff and I will leave drooling over the Apple stuff for another day. What are you writing with this week, Stu? Uh, well, this week, uh, a couple of changes. Um, I have a, uh, I've got my Sailor Pro gear regular uh, back out. Oh, uh, sun sends it over the ocean. Uh, and it's filled now with diamine Tchaikovsky, which is blue, uh, essentially. Uh, it's a nice blue. I'll give it that. It's a sort of. I'm just trying to figure out what, how blue and Tchaikovsky go together. Because uh, diamine say so, I suppose. Um, See, I'm thinking explosions and 1812 overture. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would have gone with a red or something vibrant. A blue seems, well, just a little, not the color choice I would have been. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Okay. yeah. The, the music collection is, the, the inks are quite restrained, I have to say. Um, definitely, definitely my next sort of ink shopping, I need to be going for some, some vibrant and bright stuff. I'm feeling a little bit underserved in that area. Um, but talking of which, uh, given that we are recording this um, one week exactly before St. Patrick's Day, um, I have my Lamy Safari, the virulent green one, Ooh. filled with, with Lamy green uh, cartridge, just because I, you know, everything has to be a sort of virulent green color. That's, that's, that's a, a law for St. Patrick's Day, I think. <laughs> And I, again, I sort of, I, I shun this pen quite a lot, but then now I'm writing with it. I'm like, wow, it's very smooth and very reliable. And it's quite nice green ink. Actually, it's quite bright. Um, what nip do you have in it? I think it's a medium. Um, oh. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's a medium. I think we, we at 
Nero's got them in uh, mediums and fine, and I couldn't couldn't quite force myself to use a fine. <laughs> but it's a lovely pen. I mean, they're so mm-hmm. um, sort of utilitarian. They're, so, they're brilliant. Fantastic pens. The clip top on them, you just pop it on, pop it off, makes them really, really useful for throwing in a bag or something like yeah. that, you know, where you just want to have something Bigger. that you can quickly get. Lovely. That's, uh, very nice. What about you? What are you using? All right. So I still have, I inked up two pens last week for the replacement nibs that I had bought. And because I was traveling, I, I threw a simple Parker jotter into my bag. Now, Parker jotter, it's the reason I, I carry a ballpoint is because I'm guaranteed to have some sort of meeting where I need a signature and somebody doesn't have a pen. And there's no way in heck that I'm giving them a fancy fountain pen with a beautiful nib and watching somebody press it through the paper. Oh, that scares me. So I always carry, if I'm meeting anybody, I always carry a simple ballpoint. Parker Jotter is, well, it's indestructible, really. And I threw it into my bag and I pulled it out and uh, put it on my, on my desk and I started a field notes. I haven't used one of those in a while, Stu. Mm. Um, I'm, well, I'll be honest with you. I'm doing a little bit of self-reflection. Mrs. T is feeling a little bit better. Got a surgery coming up uh, in a couple of weeks uh, as we record this, but she's feeling pretty good. And that is um, allowing me to breathe a little bit, uh, a little less stressful. And so I've started tracking a few things. Mainly I'm tracking what I eat because, well, you know, the last several months have not been kind to the waistline. Um, I went to pack some slacks to go down to the coast and realized that there was not a hope in hell of me ever getting those things together with my current weight. So I have decided that I'm going to keep track of what I eat. It's a simple way that has worked for me in the past. Because the problem is I, I don't eat bad meals. You know, Mrs. T generally cooks. We generally eat healthy. The problem is I tend to snack. And if I make a deal with myself that I, I'm not stopping myself from eating anything, but I'm making a note of it, boy, does that change your behavior for me anyway. Sure. So I, I have this simple Parker Jotter clipped to a field notes. It lives in my back pocket and it's just wonderful. So. If, if you haven't used a Parker Jotter in a while, I mean, they've been around for so long. I'm sure everybody's got one around, but try one out. They're just really, really great little utilitarian pens and cheap. Absolutely. Excellent work. Splendid. Okay. Before you start, though, let me go and get a drink. Okay. I'm going to go and get a drink from the fridge because I, I don't know if it's escaped your notice, Justin, but we're, we're 50 today. Oh, yes, we are. So um, I'm going to go and get myself a beer. Stand by. There we are. I'm back with a Kio, which last year celebrated its 70th uh, anniversary. It's a very light beer. It would sort of, it would do well in the United States, I I would imagine. It's Mm -hmm. best drunk, very cold, very light taste, quite gassy. Um, so yes, if you hear any explosions later, I uh, do, do apologize. <laughs> hey, happy 50th birthday. Cheers. Cheers. I mm. wish I had thought to bring one in with me, but uh, yeah. well, it's a bit early for you, I'd say. 
Yeah, well, that that light beer. I mean, anybody could drink that. You could have it as a TJ shower beer. Oh, yes. You could have it as a, a breakfast beer. I mean, it's never a bad time for a light beer like that. Mm-hmm. Got to say, I'm just going to have another sip. I'm, I'm enjoying it enormously. Now, you, you were saying we're going to talk about utilities. Utilities, yeah. There's a lot of things that I have set up. Now, this is going to be Mac heavy. The idea here is, well, Stu and I don't use Windows machines, so we don't know what the Windows equivalents are. But by throwing out these ideas, some of them are going to have Windows equivalents. Um, I'd recommend thinking about it in terms of here are some apps that do certain functions well, and maybe that's a place you can Google and find something good for Windows as well. This is probably going to be Mac heavy because that's what we use. But I realized that there's a lot of stuff that I use over the years that I've set up and I don't really think about, but I'm not sure if I could do my job without them. And these are apps that don't really, I call them utilities because they don't do anything in terms of content, in terms of writing, in terms of calculations. They're just the background stuff that run in the background. And with a couple of keystrokes, I could do something. It automates something, perhaps it, it adds some functionality that isn't within or easily isn't within the Apple framework. Some of these may have been Sherlocked and replaced by Apple stuff, but I still use them. And I was kind of curious to see what Stu uses as well, because, you know, utilities, I think, really do help us do our job that much quicker. So, Stu, do you want to go through your list and, and we could talk about some of the ones that we have in common? Sure. I mean, I think I think this will be quite a Justin-heavy uh, episode as well, because I'm terrible at this. I came to, to Mac quite late, and um, I think it's fair to say that, you know, coming from a sort of corporate Windows world, you, you had what the Windows suite, you know, the Office suite did, <laughs> and that was it. I mean, uh, if you were an advanced user, then you learned how to defrag your disk. Um, which I'm, I'm, I'm convinced never really did very much, but it made you feel as though you were fixing stuff. It looked pretty. Indeed. And you learn how to sort of, you can pave your, your laptop every six months so that you can make it work again. And so it was, where did I first, I think it was um, going paperless and um, the Max Sparky guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, to going paperless, I can't remember what it was called. Probably called paperless, <laughs> knowing David Sparks. Uh, that introduced me to Hazel, mm-hmm. uh, which is a a menu bar app that sort of just sits up there, um, and it's it's an automation tool, if you like. So I use it for um, it, when I scan documents in, um, or if I I have a couple of different things. If I label documents in a certain way, like give them a little blue dot or something, then they will whiz off to a certain folder. Little little sort of tweaky, foldery things like that. If I save pictures onto my desktop, they go to a, a file called uh, pictures. Yeah, took a long time to think of that one. Creative. <laughs> um, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's very, very good. I use probably 2% of the capability of the app. And it's one that, you know, as you said, I sort of set it up a long time ago. I, I haven't looked at it since. Do you use Hazel? I do. Uh, I don't use it as much as I should. 
Um, one of the great things that Hazel does is you can actually build in an OCR. So if you download a PDF from the internet, you can have it OCR, pull some information out and rename the file, which is lovely. The one challenge I have, particularly with the automation of this would actually be perfect for jobby job stuff. The problem I have is I have a series of companies that all have the same name and are then numbered slightly different. And the cases that you need to come up with in the Hazel programming to look for all of these things in all of these different but regular cases. I don't do enough of these file management things that it's something that I get the use out of the time I invest in programming it. So I do have a couple of personal things, you know, like uh, I download my credit card statement and I have Hazel scanning my downloads document and it will do some automation on that, scan it, pull the name out, put it into my um, credit card file. But really, you know, I, I don't use it as much as, as I should. And it's something I, I have the Max Sparky guide to it. He's got a video guide. It it's there. It's, it's not a subscription app. If I had to think about purchasing it every year, I might choose to do it differently because I just have it set up for very simple things that really don't take much time at all. Sure. But it is there. And if you do have routine tasks that you can automate, it's very, very good for that. Yeah. Yep. I would say so. Uh, the second one in my list is Alfred. Mm -hmm. Um, again, it's quite similar, I suppose it sits up there in the menu bar looking, well, it's a bowler hat. And I mean, every British person has to have a bowler hat in their menu bar. It's, uh, it, it's the law. Um, do I use it? Well, again, I probably use it for a tiny percentage of what it does. I use it for my, I know you use something else for my clipboard management. Mm -hmm. um, Alfred keeps everything. Well, I think it keeps, you can change how many it keeps, but I think it keeps the last hundred things that you've, uh, you've copied, which I find useful if I'm doing things like newsletters or, you know, just trying to gather information and put it somewhere. I find that pretty useful. Um, and well, as a finder replacement. So if I'm opening, uh, any sort of app on my, my Mac, it will be, I'm just looking now as an option space and up comes, uh, Alfred and I just type the first couple of letters and it finds what I need. Without going to all the websites and everything that the default, uh, yeah, yeah, it, goes. it tends to, yeah, it tends to find what I, what I want first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have both of those, uh, the, the standard and Alfred. I don't use it for a lot other than that, but it is um, a great uh, quick access for any applications. Uh, and I, I was actually laughing because I, I was looking when you were saying it's on your, it's the bowl I at in your menu bar. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, do it. Is it actually in my menu bar? And it is. <laughs> but uh, I just access it through, you know, the option space. And that's how mm -hmm. I access it. So it's kind of funny that uh, I didn't even know that it's up there. <laughs> yeah indeed well I'm, I'm sure you'll get to bartender later because i i used to use bartender until mm -hmm. i was using this monitor i've got so much space up there i'll just let everything live there but anyway clean my mac that's one that i use um i suppose this is the time for our for our sort of standard disclaimer that's mac poor lovely company fantastic company based in a country called ukraine which is currently being invaded by a very nasty man called um uh, putin vladimir putin 
Um, if you've got a few bucks spare, consider just going to the MacPaw website. Um, they will tell you what to do with it. Fantastic. It, it just does little sort of maintenance, really. It goes through, you, you run a scan, or I run a scan every week, and it has a little look through my Mac and says, oh, you might want to get rid of this, you might want to tweak that, you might want to do this, and gets on and does it. Lovely. Just the sort of utility I need. Yeah, it's it's a great little utility to have. It's great for dumping all of those temp files that add up. Uh, and especially if you're using like a mobile machine that doesn't have a lot of memory, it's really, really nice to have uh, because it will monitor your background and, yep. and tell you when you're about to hit a problem. The one challenge about the M1 Max that I found, and it seems to have gotten better over time, but if you run out of disk and swap memory, it gets, it gets quite finicky. Mm -hmm. And I found that the clean my Mac worked really well to prevent me from getting into those problems. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, it, it, it's sort of default for me now when I, when I get a new Mac, I get a new license. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have it through setup. No, I, I, I sort of, I, I use setup once, um, and, and went, oh, look at all the savings I would have made if I hadn't already bought all these apps. Um, and so it's, it, it's a timing thing more than anything else. Um, I'm sure JT will get to set up later, but it's, uh, it's great value for money, but you do need to be disciplined enough to use it, which is perhaps where I fall down. Um, next one for me is text expander. Um, if you listen to podcasts, uh, you have to have text expander or, or the podcast sort of throttles you. It's some sort of murderous thing. Um, they, uh, they sponsor everyone. Um, and it's great. It's exactly what it says. It's sort of little shortcuts. So, um, I have, um, for a couple of projects that I'm involved in, I've written some salesy type copy for, uh, emails, um, that I, I send out to various and sundry people and I've just got it in text expander and I just write a little shortcut and boof, 12 lines of text arrive. Great for that sort of thing. I don't use it enough. This is going to be a recurring message through this is that I, um, I sort of forget and I sometimes find myself doing things the long way because I've forgotten that I've set up a short way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, I can completely understand that. I love text expander. A lot of stuff that I do. I've set up once and I don't even remember, you know, what it is. I use it for work. I use it for personal. I use it a lot, surprisingly enough, for podcasting. Mm. Uh, my podcast notes all come. Uh, I've got, you know, when you when you're doing show notes and you're posting things up to the interwebs, there's a whole lot of stuff that you have to add from, you know, tracking information to uh, the CMS is not pre-populated with a lot of stuff that you'd like to have it populated with. You know, uh, who who produces a podcast. So I have a lot of those text expander snippets uh, saved. So a couple of characters and boom, it's gone. Yep. The next one I'm curious about, Stu, because I don't use this at all. This is a newer to Mac thing. And I think I've probably got a ton of other programs that do all this stuff. Sure. But you're using it. Uh, shortcuts. Oh, yes. Tell me a little bit how you're using it. I mean, I've got thousands, um, Justin. No, um, I've got one. Ah. 
Um, I use one shortcut that came through uh, my membership of Max Sparky. Um, <laughs> if you, uh, you can support his work, you can become a member and you get access to different levels and all that sort of stuff. And he's uh, newsletters, that type of thing. And he sent one through saying, I've done a shortcut for, um, let me see. It's taking Apple's weird and wacky, uh, photo format and heek. translating it. Yes. The heek. <laughs> and just translating it to jipug. Mm. Um, good old fashioned jipug, which is what, uh, things like the internet want. They want things like jipug. Um, and there's lots of different ways of doing this. Any decent photo, um, editor, you can do this through, um, but generally speaking, what I want is to go, oh, I'm just going to put something on the social media for Nero's. I'll just grab this photo. Oh, it's in the wrong format. Uh, this is a little shortcut that just immediately translates um, any any photo that I tell it to. It turns it into JPEG, saves it in a folder for me, and boom, there you go. So I just copied his shortcut. That's as far as I've got with shortcuts anywhere. I think on iOS, I had a few during the pandemic proper, if you like. We had a... Um, we had a system here in Cyprus where if you wanted to go out, you had to send a text message. Um, and it was a different text message depending on what reason you wanted to go out. So I set up three shortcuts, I think, to go out for exercise, shopping, or medical. And I could just hit one button and the, the SMS would be sent. Cool. That's the extent of my use of shortcuts. Ooh. I haven't tried it at all on Mac, uh, depending on which Mac I'm on. My Mac I'm currently recording with doesn't have any shortcuts because I'm still running the last version of the OS. Uh, my other one, well, I've, I've probably already built shortcuts for most of the stuff that I need. So, sure. Uh, and I, I can't say I'm a fan of the building blocks in uh, iOS. When that came out, I tried it. And it had some limitations and well, for me, uh, there were other tools that seemed to work a little bit better. And again, you know, I have a specific iOS use case, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of stuff on my, on my phone. So, you know, maybe that's just me, but mm. it's kind of cool to see what people are doing with that and whether it will get rid of some of these other many, many apps that I apparently have to do. It's embarrassing <laughs> to look at my list here. Well, I think it's one of those things that, yeah, actually you, you can um, consolidate a lot of stuff into into one place. But, you know, there's work in doing that. And, you know, we're, we're, we're all lazy at, at heart, I think. Mm -hmm. um, home automation is another one I, I use, uh, not really on the Mac particularly. Um, I've got, uh, you know, just basic um, home stuff set up. So the only home things that I've bought work with uh, with apple um and work in the, the uh, keyword there do they actually work still um yeah largely yes um so uh homekit enabled stuff once you've got it set up <laughs> tends to work um i'm not going to speak for trying to sort of command it through the assistant the only real time i use the assistant is down here in the office where i have several lights that uh, are on HomeKit, mm -hmm. and I, I bark at that occasionally. But generally speaking, um, I've got automation set up, so um, we call them the runway lights, <laughs> the lights on, on my driveway. Mm -hmm. uh, they come on at a certain time, or uh, they come on just before sunset, and they go off at a certain time, and various 
lights around the house, the house do the same sort of thing. Um, and that's really it, to be honest. I haven't got any more complex than that. Mm -hmm. I don't use any Apple related home automation. I got into home automation uh, a little earlier than Apple sort of did. Uh, I know, I know they had very limited versions, but, uh, I got into it, uh, through the Amazon, um, mm. the echoes. I'm trying to think of the right word that doesn't set everything off here. Um, exactly. uh, I, I have those in every room. I have lights in every room. I've got automations for those. Uh, my security system is tied into that account as well. So everything kind of comes through the Apple or the uh, Amazon app, mm -hmm. which, you know, there's a huge switching cost. A lot of the infrastructure that I already have, the parts I'd need to uh, buy and install HomeBridge and try to then deal with something in between. I hate to say it. If I yell at the lady in the tube, uh, she's just so much better than our, our favorite Apple version. Sure. Um, you know, and the whole family is now accustomed to yelling at the lady in the tube to get things to happen around the house. Yeah. And that switching cost is not necessarily something that I would want to do. Uh, for a start, I'd need to buy many little home pods for every room and that gets expensive because, well, they're just not good for anything else. And I already have the infrastructure in place. Sure. And again, if it works, sometimes just don't fix it. Yeah. I mean, I, I resisted getting, getting that particular lady in the tube because I know that she talks intimately with Jeff Bezos. Uh, and, and that just scares me. Um, my, my wife is one of those people that adopts technology reasonably easily, but reasonably thoughtlessly too. So, um, she already tells, uh, Facebook everything about her life. I don't want her telling, uh, another, um, well, shall we say company of loose morals, <laughs> That, that was why I held back on automation and sort of waited for Apple to be halfway capable. But I think halfway capable is probably a fair description of where they are at the moment. They're still a long <laughs> way behind. Yeah. I, I kind of figured, you know what? I buy so much stuff from Amazon already. Sure. Jeff already has all the information, you know, this is fine. Um, you know, and, and the one thing about Amazon is, well, they're, they're not selling it to other people. They're just using it to sell me more stuff. <laughs> That's true. You think? Let's be honest. I, I'm already buying the stuff anyway. So, you know, if, the, if they can help me in my search, it's a little easier. You know, if, if I can have a conversation with my wife and then sit down at my computer and it pops up automatically and I don't have to search for it. Hey, good job, Jeff. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. And the, the last one on my little list, my little baby list, um, is, is one password, which, mm. um, it's gone out of fashion now because they've been acquired. Um, and so they're very, um, it is alleged they are very sort of corporate focused and their Mac app and their iOS app is not as nice as it used to be. And it's not as clever and as niche and all that sort of jazz. I mean, for me, the problem with it is that it's constantly in a punch up with Apple's keychain. So wherever some form comes up asking for a password i have pop-ups appearing left right and center and i can't remember where i've saved it where i haven't saved it but the the big uh sort of benefit for me which i think was for you was that i was able to 
to get my wife to start using it and start using proper passwords and putting them in a vault that I could access when she inevitably forgot. So it's great for that, but I really do need just to put aside an hour and say, right, okay, I need to sort out my password management um, and the settings and the defaults to stop all these things coming up because I have, you know, both apps will suggest a strong password and then um, use the strong password and not save it. Yes. And so five seconds later, I'll then go, right, I'll log in now. No, your passport's wrong. <laughs> I hit that. What was I on? Oh, I know what I was doing. I needed to get into LinkedIn for something. Uh, LinkedIn, one of those Microsoft products that drives you nuts. Mm. Um, and it was the same thing. I was on a different, I was on the different computer. Somebody messaged me on LinkedIn and well, there you go. Um, and I had to log in and one of the apps had the wrong one and the other one, um, the, the problem I have with one password, as much as the many, many good things about it is I end up with a bunch of duplicate files mm -hmm. because what I will do is I'll go and create my password in it and then it wants to save it itself, even though I've already set it up. So, and then, and then whichever version it populates, maybe the old password, if you change it at some point. So sure. Yeah. It can get a little frustrating, but, um, the, the advantage to having a family on serious passwords is, is huge. Mm. And as much as, you know, Apple is good. I just set up for my daughter, uh, for Christmas, I bought her uh, a new television, a new smart TV. And it'll be one that Stu doesn't like because it was an Amazon one that has uh, the Echo built into it. Mm -hmm. And I had to set it up and I had to log into all of the applications. Now, 1Password is great because it's right on my phone. It syncs with everything. I could actually pull it up and then use that. The problem with the Apple uh, keychain is if you ever have to look something up mm. and type it in, particularly on mobile, it's a bit of a pain to use. It certainly is. It's great if you're sitting at your computer and using that, but these things, you know, the Wi-Fi password, the Amazon password, you know, the Apple TV password, the Disney Plus, the crate, the Netflix, I've got them all. And they're all, you know, well-designed passwords. But they're all an absolute nightmare to share from Apple Keychain. So anyway, that's my thought on that one. It's an investment worth having, particularly if you've got a family. For sure. Even though it does fight a little bit. But I, I still think it's something that Apple um, and you know third parties just need to get a bit writer. Yeah. I think they're close, but they need to get a bit writer. I say give it a couple more years, and I think Apple will Sherlock one password a little bit. Well, for sure, for sure. But, uh, you know, especially if 1Password continues down the trajectory that they are going, mm. which is uh, much more corporate, as you said, and less, um, well, Mac geeky. Mm -hmm. For sure. It used to have a certain panache to using it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I've got some different apps than Stu, or some additional apps, because apparently I have all the apps. <laughs> uh, we've talked about setup. Uh, MacPaw in the Ukraine puts that out interesting situation as uh, Sue was talking about the horrible situation in Ukraine. 
One of the applications that I run through Setup got discontinued because it is Russian. Mm. So they are, um, you know, they're they're heavily affected by this. They've done some really cool things. Their little icon has changed into the colors of the Ukraine flag. I've used them for years. They, they're a really good service. They, they have some cool stuff uh, in there for a relatively inexpensive subscription. It's about 10 bucks US a month for two computers. They just changed all of their subscription model. Uh, they do some iOS stuff, you know, it's like anything else. Everything gets a little bit more expensive every time, but they do have a very, very good uh, suite of stuff that is included. Clean My Mac is in there. I believe Alfred's in there and quite a few of these other things that I use. The one that uh, is just get discontinued due to Russian servers uh, is one called AdGuard, which it's, it's a weird spot. It basically is a Safari add-in that stops a lot of the tracking stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've used it for years. I know Safari's got the better for it, but I still like having it. Now I'm in a weird situation because, well, Russia's doing bad things, but I'm guessing the developer that made AdGuard may not be Putin's best friend. Just a thought, but I'm not sure if I want to support it or not. It's, it's weird. Mm. You know, there's a lot of sanctions against Russia at the moment. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to do there. I might have to look at a, an option for that or heaven for Fen, just, just run the Apple Safari and hope it's good enough. Weird. Uh, yeah. Safari and DuckDuckGo. That's not a bad little, um, combination. Yeah. That's kind of my default. I'm not a Mm. fan of Google. The only time I log into Google on a Mac is when we're doing show notes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're both in the same boat, I think. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's nothing better. I don't have a utility to replace uh, Google, Google drive, but anyway. I use a clipboard manager called Paste. And again, this is, I think, on setup. Paste is, for me, the best clipboard manager. It is, uh, see, now I have to actually press the buttons here mm-hmm. because, oh, there we go. Uh, it is com, uh, Shift Command V. And it pops up a little bar at the bottom of my screen that has every little piece of text that I've copied as a link in there. Um, and this goes, well, I don't even know how far it goes. I think you can sort of keep it, but, uh, it's going back. I've got all kinds of stuff in there that I've done over, you know, uh, Excel sheets. It tells me what it is. Is it a link? Is it a text? It's a text in Excel. It's, it's just really nice, super quick, super easy to use. Um, you know, I could do that as Stu does with Alfred, the one click one spot for paste is just so useful for me that I actually love this app. Highly recommend it. And I think a, a few of the uh, Apple Technorati love this this app too. I know uh, Mike Hurley is a big fan of it. I, I looked into it when I was uh, I was looking at how to do my sort of copy paste management. Um, and I only settled on Alfred because I already had it. Yeah. But yeah, paste app is very well thought of. Top of the charts. Mm. Uh, speaking of things that are well thought of, uh, CleanShot X, which is a replacement for Apple's screen capture. Uh, just lovely. It takes what's not a bad screen capture 
and makes it so much better. You've got so many options with it now. Uh, and again, you know, just it's uh, shift command four, for example, gives me a window. I can click something and then I have options to drag it into, you know, let's say I'm doing something in a sharing document. Uh, I'm having a chat with somebody perhaps on Slack. What I can do is once I, once I capture a window, it creates a little floating window on the bottom left of my screen. And I've got several options. I can annotate it. I can upload it to a cloud. I can pin it. I can save it to my desktop. I can copy it or I can just drag and paste it. Or I can just hit X. So like if I'm in a Slack chat and I want to show somebody something, I can take a quick screenshot, drag this window right into Slack. And there you go. It's super quick, super easy. It's got some really neat built-in functionality to it. Um, just a really, really neat little application. Again, do I need it? Probably not. Apple stuff's good enough. But what it does is it just speeds up my workflow just a little bit. And this is something that I use. I use this kind of like paste. I use this several times a day. And I, I just find it well worth the money. And I think actually, again, it's in okay. setup. So there's a lot of, you know, I don't want to be sort of the setup uh, <laughs> champion. But they really do add, I think that was where I first got it and fell in love with it. And then other people got it and started talking about it on podcasts and it became sort of a thing. But uh, it, it is really a nice little, nice little utility for me. Fantastic. Better touch tool. Uh, have you used that one at all, Stu? I haven't. I've heard so much about it. And it's one of those ones that I've sort of stayed away from, lest it become a rabbit hole. Hmm. So better touch tool is interesting, particularly if you have the touch bar. But aside from that, it has so many automations that you can control with customized input actions. So I have touch bars on both of my laptops. Uh, and if I'm working on them, I have some customizations set up so I can use that on the better touch tool. More importantly, though, I have a bunch of shortcuts um, for the mat for uh, the keyboard and mouse and touchpad that run from here. A lot of it is windowing. So if I'm working on something, I can do, I, I don't even want to, I'd have to actually do it and then I'll screw up my recording setup. But basically it's, uh, you know, like a shift command, mm -hmm. swipe up on the mouse and all of a sudden my windows rearrange. And that is so helpful for automating a lot of those types of actions uh, certain things that you want to pop up. It's just amazing for, for things like that. And again, you know, I bought it years ago. There's probably ways I could do that differently. I know there's other apps that are for window management particularly, but this just has so many different um, control automations that you can do. You can set all kinds of triggers. Uh, really, really good for that. Mm. Uh, we mentioned bartender for menu bar control. My problem with menu bar control, because, you know, it's not like I really need it when I'm sitting at my desk here and I've got the big 32 inch. However, I find it distracting to have that many menu items. Uh, but we won't talk about my dock. That's a whole different uh, kettle of fish. Um, I just really like it for controlling my menu bar and making it easy to switch back and forth between the Mac uh, laptop use and the big window use. 
Um, it's it's nice. It's I think if I had a new Mac with the notch in it, it would become. It's the opposite of Sherlock. This is the app that if you have a new uh, Mac Pro, you almost need to have to take care of things. Sure. So I do recommend that. It's simple to set up. It just runs. Um, yeah, it's it's great. I had to use it a lot while trying to figure out what I was actually running as uh, applications in the background. Do you use iStep menus at all, Stu? I don't. I downloaded them once, I think, but um, I just... I was getting no use of them, so I, I stopped using them. I partially because, well, Macs with fans, Macs with a lot of the applications that I use, bouncing stuff out of Logic. Um, I like to keep an idea of where my performance goes, and that's really, really good for telling you everything geeky, you know, including which heatsink is at what temperature in the internal sensors of your Mac. It's 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 a geek's toy. But it's kind of nice to see, particularly when you're trying to figure out why is my Mac pinning? Why are my fans blowing? And if you've got an old Mac, you know, maybe the new M1s, you don't have to worry about this anymore. But uh, looking at the new Apple Studio and all the cooling, I'm guessing that even the new M1 Ultra is going to get pretty warm pretty quick. So this is kind of a nice thing to have uh, if you're really interested in seeing what your computer's doing. Mm. A keyboard maestro it's macros and i have some weird ones set up for example the these are automations i have keyboard maestro pop up and open at 7 30 in the morning when i quote start my work day opens my omnifocus puts it to the right perspective and well i have it give me the computerized voice it says open the pod bay doors how because i'm that much of a geek <laughs> it's just really, really useful. I have it set certain windowing at certain times. That way I don't have to think about it. Everything is there. It's just really, really, I guess this is shortcuts in a way, but the power that you've got in keyboard maestro just allows you to do some really, really neat things with, with Mac and a fantastic app for that. Sure. Aerial companion. Not sure if you've seen this one or if you're an Apple TV user, though, right, Stu? Uh, yeah, we do have Apple TV. Mm. You know those absolutely gorgeous aerials mm. that come on your Apple TV if you don't touch it for three seconds? Yep. You can get those for your monitor, for your laptop, for your computer. Mm. Uh, so this is actually just a, a GitHub uh, companion app. And... I installed it, so when I walk away from the big, beautiful monitor, I come back and I have these amazing screensavers, uh, aerial uh, Apple TV ones, just playing right on there. Absolutely beautiful. Mm. Completely useless. It's just pretty. And, you know, let's face it's it. It's nice. Sometimes yeah. we use Mac because it's just pretty. Uh, timing. I use timing to automate time tracking. I know we've talked about this before. It's again, one of those menu bar apps. It's a utility that doesn't really do anything. It just tracks everything that I do. Stu was mentioning a little bit earlier about uh, trying to work more mindfully. One of the ways I do that, because I tend to sit at the same desk a lot, is have timing. And it tracks on both my Macs and aggregates the time that I've spent in a day. And I've got it set up so that if I'm using certain apps, certain 
certain websites or things, it actually knows if this is work or this is personal or this is podcasting or this is writing. And I can actually track each day how much time I've spent. I have a OmniFocus task that uh, encourages me to review it quickly every day so that I can see just how productive I really was. And the, the nice thing about it, you don't have to push any buttons. It just does it behind the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hootaspot, which I think is one of the worst names ever. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a weird name. You know how sometimes you just can't find something in Finder? Mm-hmm. Hootaspot is a search tool for files on your Mac. And it pulls everything. It pulls content within there. You, it's, it's actually embarrassing sometimes when you realize how many copies of certain things you have. But if I, I ever get stuck, and a lot of this is jobby job stuff, you know, where you have different versions and, you know, similar file names. Uh, you know, I, I do accounting, so I have a series of files that are every month. They're basically the same file, but they have slight differences to them depending on what entries I'm making. Those kind of things are perfect for tracking in there because I can find all kinds of neat stuff. So I do recommend that. It's not something I use all the time, but it's in my toolbox should I ever need to get into there. And finally, as part of file management is Pathfinder. And Pathfinder allows some really neat things. We're talking about the limitations of Hazel. Pathfinder allows me to do those things sort of manually. I've got a series, a batch of files that I need to rename and move. I can use Pathfinder and it works really, really well for those kind of things. It's, it's perfect for clearing your downloads folder, you know, once a week going through that and just making sure you're back to, um, not, not having a a bunch of cruft on your, on your computer. So I, I do recommend that again. Can you do it the other way? Sure. You can do this with the built-in stuff. But Finder has some limitations. Pathfinder, well, it gives you a whole lot more options. And, you know, looking at the list, some of these are subscriptions. Some of these are included with other subscriptions. They're just tools that are built up over time. And each one has a specific utility that I use and I don't think about. You know, it's funny sitting here and talking about them. And realizing that I don't know what any of these shortcuts are until I put my hands on the keyboard sure. and then I could do the shortcuts. And that tells me that they're just built into the way that I work. You could probably do this a whole bunch of different ways, but if you have nothing but time and money and want to throw some money at some of these things and see which one of these work for you, they're probably a good place to start there. I think each one of them is much more powerful than the default Mac stuff that you can get. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, great advice is to, is to find one sort of tool that is useful for you and then, and then just explore it a little bit deeper. That's certainly what I need to do mm-hmm. and, and get a little bit more and just slowly add to, to what I'm doing. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Stu, I didn't realize I had so many utilities until I started this. Is this like therapy? Am I doing therapy again? <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think you've probably set yourself Mentally, at least, you've set yourself some tasks here. You know what? I I actually went through all these and I went, you know what? There's none of them that I don't use at certain times for certain things. And I'm really actually happy with them all. I'm happy with the way, you know, I hate to say it, even though I'm just about to spend, you know, $7,300 on a new Mac. I'm really actually happy with my setup at the moment. <laughs> and these apps, these these utilities 
do really add to that. I can do what I need to do. And at the end of the day, as much as we like the shiny, flashy, cool technology stuff, getting the job done is the most important things. And that's kind of what I have to use. So that's, that's kind of my takeaway from this one. I use an embarrassment of riches, uh, often a single tool to solve a particular problem that I could probably do more easily, probably more cost effective, but the small cost of these utilities is better value for me than the time I'd have to invest. But you know, each person should do you find the utilities that work for you, find what you need and solve that problem. That's kind of the takeaway for me on this one. How about you, Stu? Any takeaways from a review of your utilities? I, I think just that there's there's opportunity for me to get more value from them. So um, I think I'm going to schedule, um, I'm not quite sure which day, probably a Wednesday, um, maybe half an hour, just to to play a little bit with Alfred, with Text Expander, with Hazel, just to, to tweak things, get things working a little bit better, try and ingrain them more into my workflow, because I know that I'm doing lots of things the long way around, which mm-hmm. that's hardly productive, is it? I got a question for you, just thinking about text expander, mm. you, you know, you're writing and there are certain character names and things like that that come up quite regularly. I mean, luckily you've mm-hmm. got, uh, your, your predominant characters are four letter names. Uh, um, sure. I'm not sure if you did that on purpose actually, but if you were doing longer stuff, would it make any sense for you to put abbreviations in text expander? to do those quickly definitely it would for um the um the organized crime group uh that feature in my novel is a real organized uh crime group now when i publish i may change that um just might be better to live uh but that's very difficult to spell what could go wrong with upsetting a russian organized (laughs) crime exactly yeah i mean the things like that would definitely work and yeah, a sneak preview. The 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 main characters all have the same name in the draft, um, which may at some time sometime become significant. But um, Sean, John, Yana are all versions of the same name, as is Ivan. Those are all versions of John. There you go. Um, so yes, it is on purpose. There is a there is a reason behind that. But yeah, definitely it would help in places like that. Certainly, you know, Sonskaya Bratva is not, doesn't roll off the tongue, as you might imagine. Um, and some of the, some of the spelling, some of the Hungarian words. So, I mean, I can say Kursenem Sepem, uh, which is thank you very much, but it's got all your favorite things. So little dots and accents. <laughs> so typing those out in Scrivener every time, uh, I could definitely save myself some time there. If you just think about it, there's all kinds of places you can use. Absolutely. Yeah, there certainly is. All right. Long episode quickly. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, Stu? Uh, we can find me at stuartlennon.com or at nerosnotes.co.uk. Uh, or you can find me being angry at Russia uh, on Twitter at Stu Lennon. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Uh, easiest place is justintwyford.com. You can find us at stationaryadjacent.com. You can email me stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. I share all those with Stu. I'm not on Twitter much. The world is too depressing. So yes, I'm, I'm hiding from the world. I'm not reading news or anything like that. So I'm pretty, pretty quiet lately. That's okay. Uh, please like and review us on your podcast catcher choice. 
we really do appreciate your recommendations to friends and colleagues. Our next topic, stuff. Stuff. That's pithy, isn't it? Stuff. Stuff. I like it. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.